0: healed on the Sabbath. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who'd been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! So I'm going to pray now as Linda comes up and speaks speaks God's word to us. Father God, we thank you that you are going to speak to us this morning, and we are excited to hear what you have to say through Linda. Thank you that you've been through um, all her preparations with her. Amen.
1: Good morning. So we're now in this fifth week of our series. Today's sermon is called Strong at the Broken Places, and it consists of three parts which are entitled Strength for the Journey, the Human Struggle, and Seeing Beneath the Waterline. Strength for the Journey. There are broken places on the journey of life, and we can journey with others at their broken places. We can bring strength and healing Broken places can remain a weakness, or they can become a strength. Romans 15 says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for that which is good, to be building him up. And today we're coming to another Paraclesis word, parakaleo, to comfort In 1 Thessalonians, it says, so comfort, using that word, comfort each other and make each other strong. We've previously looked at comfort, meaning consolation. You might remember Richard giving us a long list of Wikipedia definitions of consolation in his talk on journeying. But today we're looking at comfort from its literal sense in the Latin, with strength. So it means coming alongside (coughs) bringing strength to build up, restore, and repair, imparting vitality and energy into the soul, and enabling people to rebuild and move on with their lives from a position of strength and not weakness. We can provide strength for the journey of others. Galatians 6.2 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our very presence is part of the strengthening process. By just being there and journeying with someone, we can help them through a broken circumstance to find healing. Just being there has to be the first step. Sometimes we may feel that this is all that we can do. We feel quite helpless. And so often, simply our presence is much appreciated. Listening, sitting alongside, walking... I've often been surprised if um, a friend in despair will respond to the offer of just going on a walk. It's almost an excuse to get together and gives you the opportunity to literally journey alongside. But it's not always easy to be there. We can feel awkward, we don't know what to say, it can feel embarrassing, it can feel intrusive. We might worry that we wouldn't be able to cope with the sheer awfulness of the situation We might worry, we might burst into tears, but we just have to get over that and just be there. Romans 14, 19, we must always aim at those things that bring peace and that help strengthen one another. So our gospel account today about the woman woman with the infirm spirit, we're just going to have a look at that in a bit more detail. We can see that the woman had A pitiful existence Luke 13 16 now here is a descendant of Abraham Satan has kept her in this condition for 18 years a descendant or daughter of Abraham simply meant that she was a temple attender on this Sabbath morning Jesus was speaking and she'd made her way to the temple but she'd had a pitiful existence she was bent double and hobbled into church as Jesus began speaking his eyes fell on her. He called her forward, and she shuffled her way to the front. She had a physical affliction. The message version of 30, Luke 13:11 is, "There was a woman present, so twisted and bent over with arthritis that she couldn't even look up." She was a deformed, distorted, disabled bundle of humanity, and was trapped in this physical condition but she also had an infirm spirit. Luke 13:11. there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. Luke, being a doctor, who wrote the account, of course, observes that she not only had a curvature of the spine, but also a disabled spirit that he called a spirit of infirmity. She had an external deformity, but an internal infirmity. Luke looks beyond the deformity that his eyes saw, but perceived something deeper. Some have suggested that this woman was demon-possessed, but Trevor Partridge, who wrote this series, thinks not, and says that the structure of the Greek narrative doesn't suggest this, that Jesus always spoke to demons, but here he spoke to the woman, that Jesus never laid his hands on the demon-possessed, but he laid his hands on this woman, That demons always reacted in the presence of Jesus but there's no reaction or outburst here and the Greek word for demon possession is not found in this passage. Jesus himself said that this woman was bound as in tied in bonds by Satan and then Jesus said she was loosed from her infirmity. Jesus spoke to the woman he touched her and freed her. Returning to our thinking about being strong in broken places, we're going to look at the second part of our topic, which is the human struggle. The message version of Job 7.1 says, human life is a struggle, isn't it? It's a life sentence to hard labor. This probably resonates very easily with all of us to some degree or other. We don't have to look hard to observe and experience the struggles of life. Trevor Partridge offers us a series of pointers. We need to try and understand infirmities. Hebrews 4.15 says that we have a high priest Jesus who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Not touched by our infirmities, but with the feelings, because infirmities always damage feelings. It may be that a physical infirmity is caused by damage to our minds, our souls, our spirits. I'm going to use these words interchangeably because I think the point here is the link between them and our bodies. Psychosomatic illness is when our mind, our spirit has direct and significant impact on our body. There's a book called None of These Diseases by a couple of Christian doctors and they talk about holding things in our spirit like anger, guilt, hatred, fear, stress, resentment, and bitterness. And they say that these can actually release chemicals into our bloodstream and nervous system, which are then conveyed by neurotransmitters into our bodies, prompting physiological reactions. We're learning more and more about the science-validated links between mind and body. I was hearing on Radio 4 only a couple of weeks ago, there's apparently a very strong association between depression and both dementia and heart attacks, science is telling us more and more about these links. But all those years ago, Luke was onto this and knew that something crippling had happened in this woman's spirit that had impacted on her body. He links her outer deformity to her inner infirmity, to a spiritual origin, rather than an organic or physical cause. Trevor Partridge says we must be wary of superficial assessments. Jeremiah 6, 13 to 14. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They've also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. By peace, he's meaning wellness, wholeness, and completeness. And here is Jeremiah's indictment that in the house of God, as this woman was, The message of wholeness was declared, but not delivered. They'd said, peace, peace, but only healed the hurts slightly. The Good News translation puts it, they act as if my people's wounds were only scratches. All is well, they say, when all is not well. Our reaction to bad things is so often to give reassurance. It's going to be okay, you'll be fine, don't worry. That may be very helpful to try and calm someone down, But it mustn't be our conclusion as an assessment of the situation, if it's wrong or incomplete, so just be wary. Trevor says that we must see beneath the waterline. I prefer the phrase, look underneath the surface, but it doesn't really matter which words we use. We human beings only reveal what we want others to see. Often there are other things going on beneath the surface. We all tend to gloss over trouble in our social interactions. How many times when someone asks you, how are you, do you say without even thinking, fine, when actually you're away from fine? I think this happens less in a church community than in other places, but it does happen a lot. In Isaiah 11.13, speaking of Jesus, it says, "...he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears." And in Matthew 23, 27, when Jesus says to the Pharisees, you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So Luke saw this woman's condition, but he saw beneath the surface. Life is never as simple as it seems. In the light of this, and in order to come alongside and journey with others, we need to do five things. First, we need to recognize that all behavior is caused. We do what we do because something in us motivates and determines our behavior. Our lives are always multi layered. Journeying with people is beginning to recognize that beneath behaviors there's often a wounded spirit. I regularly go into Send a Prison to monitor how the prison is being run. And I see how really bad behavior and serious crimes have been the end results of chaotic lives, damaged souls, and children who have been unloved, abused, and neglected. Of course, we're all responsible for our own behavior, but that prison is full of women whose seriously wounded spirits have caused terrible behavior. Secondly, we need to acknowledge the broken places, People's spirits get fractured and damaged and broken as we go through life. You'll recognise the broken places that we're talking about. They're all around, but we need to keep our antennae alert to them and respond to them. Some examples could be broken relationships. Most, if not all, non-physical issues are about relationship breakdowns within a family, a marriage, a church, between peers, friends, colleagues... People get really hurt when these break down and it happens all the time. It could be broken dreams. We often live with promises, goals and expectations thinking life will turn out in a particular way. But sometimes promises are broken. Goals are unmet and expectations unrealized. People's hopes and, and aspirations may be dashed and dreams shattered as a result. There may be broken hearts caused by the loss of a loved one, childlessness, unrequited love, a painful breakup, being betrayed in marriage, divorce, abortion. Broken hearts cause a spirit to be wounded by sorrow, grief and sadness. There can be broken images. Identity and self-image can be broken and marred through others, through psychological, verbal or emotional impact. For example, by bullying Humiliation, ridicule, denigration or rejection by others, be they parents, peers, teachers, siblings. This causes a badly damaged sense of self-worth and low self-esteem. I see a great deal of this in Send Prison. The next one that Trevor lists has a strange title, Broken Cisterns. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. A cistern was a large tank cut into rock to hold water. Often the rock would crack and water seeped out, leaving mud and sludge at the bottom. This is given as a picture of our lives when we try to satisfy our deepest longings with anything other than God. Rather than drinking from a fresh water source, we find ourselves wallowing in mud and sludge. How many systems have people drunk from that don't satisfy? Possessions, money, pornography, status, idol worship. These may promise to satisfy, but they are failing waterholes. And when we drink from them, wallowing in the mud and dregs, we'll be broken morally, losing our moral compass, lacking integrity, virtue, and purity. These are broken systems that will never satisfy. There can also be broken bodies, bodily afflictions, physical and congenital diseases and deformities, disabilities physical abuse, sexual abuse, long-standing severe illness and incurable disease and injury. They can cause despair and hopelessness. They're literally a broken place, but broken all the same. The third thing that we need to do to come alongside and bring strength is to, as as Trevor says, explore the pool of pain. A broken place produces a wounded spirit, and a wounded spirit produces a pool of pain. The common denominator threading through broken places is pain. How we deal with our pool of pain determines our journey. The pain in a wounded spirit is a feeling, that feeling of our infirmities. The pain of disappointment, loss, humiliation, shame, rejection, guilt and regret can be debilitating. We try to ease the pain through all kinds of life patterns We think we can heal physical pain, and very often our modern drugs can mask it. But it's the wounded spirit that needs healing, and only then will pain dissolve. We need to get to the root cause. I'm going to digress on the sermon message here a little bit, since I do worry that we're being pushed to be amateur psychologists. (laughs) And in some cases, I think that's quite a dangerous thing to be, but I am a terrible cynic, so you'll have to make your own minds up about this. But to return to the message fourth thing we need to do is to identify a wounded spirit. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? And the answer is no one. We were never created to bear a wounded spirit. God created us with a whole spirit. We need to identify the broken ones. And finally, our fifth point we need to do is to become strong at the broken places so that the wound at the broken places doesn't remain, but is healed. By coming alongside others and working through those hurts, often hidden below the surface, we can help them heal. But they can only do so by applying God's grace. And God's grace needs to be responded to. Hebrews 12, 15. Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives for if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit which is not only bad in itself but can also poison the lives of many others. A bitter spirit is toxic and if we don't deal with it, we can become a toxic person. When a root of bitterness takes hold, we become victims of a broken place. If we live as victims and remain victims, We will victimise others, becoming an agent of pain. We see this around us. I get hurt, so I hurt you to make you feel the same pain. Someone criticises me, so I criticise back. I project my bitterness onto them. I am wounded, so I will wound you and make you pay for my pain. And we know that very often the bullet become bullies. But if we can be there to support and love the people we journey with, we can bring comfort, strength and the grace of God. Because grace is the antidote to bitter poison in the soul. And how do we respond to God's grace? We, and we need to help others, choose the pathway of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a key part of grace. Colossians 3.13 bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We can choose to respond to his grace because he's promised to supply a corresponding source of grace for every circumstance in life. Forgiving as we have been forgiven sets us free from our past, heals our wounds and releases us from our pain. It can be really difficult at times. But we can help people think through God's forgiveness so that strengthened by this, they can forgive others. This is another example of how God's gifts work. The cascade effect. Do you remember Richard telling us that consolation works like this? God consoles us and we can then console others. Forgiveness is choosing to let go and choosing to embrace grace. Unforgiveness and bitterness incarcerate and never rehabilitate. And then, eventually, we can be loosed and lifted. Back in the temple, Jesus calls this woman forward. He places his hand upon her, his hand of grace, mercy, love and healing. And something breaks in her spirit. If you lift your eyes and gaze upon the cross, there are wounds there. On the cross, Jesus suffered wounds into his own body. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The risen Christ is a wounded healer with scars to show for it. The message of the cross is that God not only saves and forgives our sin, but that he heals the wounded soul for who can bear a broken spirit. The gospel answer is, only Jesus can. He bore all of life's trauma on our behalf, paying the ultimate price for our freedom and healing, overcoming sin, death, and the devil once for all. When we come to him, recognizing our pain comes from our wounds and are willing to let the wounded healer touch those wounds, then we can come alongside and journey with others, helping them to allow the healing to flow to them. This is Paraclesis at work, coming alongside others with the comfort and strength of God, making them strong at the broken places. Jesus saw this pitiful woman. He called her. He spoke words of freedom to her spirit, and he loosed her. He touched her, pouring strength into her pitiful body and healing into those disabling wounds. She stood straight, a transformed woman, not only a woman who was physically healed, but whose spirit was released and made whole through the power of Jesus. So I pray that we will have that experience journeying together with others. May we be a church that reaches beyond these four walls and into the brokenness of the streets beyond us, coming alongside people and leading them to the healer, Jesus. We don't have to be bound by the crippling wounds of the past or live with the pain of the present. We don't have to live at a broken place. We can be liberated and set free in Jesus' name.